Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Texas may not go undefeated in 2024, but I believe they have an advantage over every single opponent on their roster going into next season. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are going through each game on the 2024 schedule for the Texas Longhorns football team. And I'll tell you what advantage I believe Texas has over all 12 opponents on their schedule. That's the first two segments. And then in the third segment, the state of the Texas basketball program, they got a huge top 25 win over TCU on the road this past Saturday. They have a gauntlet coming up, and they're on the bubble of teams that will or will not make the NCAA tournament. We discuss all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So when we look at Texas going into the 2024 season, I think that they have a lot to prove, right, as a program going into next year. And some people would hear that and, you know, say that's silly, right, because, you know, Texas was one of the four best teams in college football last year, 11 yards away from making the national championship game. And, of course, they won their conference. So by all standards, right, Texas looks like a perennial national championship contender again, right, and that is the program that the majority of us are used to rooting for, right, a team that – is competing at the highest level in college football year in and year out, right? So most people would say Texas is back right now and we don't have anything to prove, right? We've already proved that, you know, we're a premier program in college football once again. The reason I say Texas has a lot to prove going into next year is because you're changing conferences and the narrative is the SEC is the best conference in college football, right? And there's a lot of people that want to take that narrative a step further and say that Texas um, cannot compete at a high level in the SEC or can't handle the gauntlet of an SEC schedule week in and week out, right? And that our success last year was largely due to us being in a weak Big 12. So I do think that Texas needs to go out and combat the narrative that they can't compete at a high level in the SEC. I think we all know that they can, right? But, you know, there's still a lot of doubters out there that are just assuming that Texas won't be able to. I think it's important for the program to go out there and prove those naysayers wrong. And then, you know, let a naysayer know, like they say at Alabama. And and also – Uh, When you look at uh, recruiting, right, I think recruiting is all about perception, right? In the last three years, Texas has been able to sell that this is a program on the rise, right, and a team that eventually will get back to competing for national championships every year. But I think if you take a step back or have a down year in your first year in the SEC, then I think the perception out there may be that, oh, 
well, Texas just had a great year. You know, it was a fluke or a flash in the pan in their last year in the Big 12. But now they're in the SEC. They're back to being a middle of the pack program. And that could affect your ability to recruit at a high level moving forward. Right. So I do think Texas has a lot to prove next year in terms of being able to continue to recruit at a high level and proving the naysayers wrong. Right. Or letting the naysayer know that Texas can continue to win at a high level, even in the SEC even if they won at a high level last year in what most people consider was a down year or a weak big 12. Right. So when we're looking at every team on the schedule this year, which Texas will have to, you know, navigate to, I guess, you know, prove everybody wrong and, you know, be one of the best teams in college football once again and sustain, sustain the success they had in 2023. It starts with Colorado state at home on August 31st. And even though Texas doesn't schedule FCS opponents in the non-con, uh, they should treat Colorado State at home on August 31st like <laughs> FCS opponent, right? Um, when you look at it, the question really isn't what advantages does Texas have going into this game? It's what advantages does Texas not have, right, going into this game? When you look at it, it's talent on every level, at every position, arguably the most talented roster in college football. Uh, the Texas Longhorns going against a team with likely no blue chip players on it, right? No four or five star players. And we know that matters a lot in college football, right? We saw Colorado State put on a hell of a show to 2 a.m. last year against Coach Prime and Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes, but this isn't Coach Prime, Dion, and the Colorado Buffaloes, right? This is the Texas Longhorns in year four under Steve Sarkeesian. I fully expect Texas to be favored by around 25-plus points, and I think Texas certainly will cover about 25-plus points against this Colorado State team at home. And Colorado State hasn't had a winning season since 2017 when they went 7-6. and six. So even if you looked at, like, the lower level of FBS schools, you still would say there's some premier programs amongst that group. Colorado State, not one of them. Right? Like I said, they haven't had a winning season since 2017. I believe that Texas will win this game and win this game handily. Even if the spread is in the 20s, take Texas. They will cover. It gets a little bit tougher in week two. Texas will travel to Ann Arbor, Michigan to face off against the Wolverines, the defending national champions. But for Texas benefit and an advantage they have going into the game, they will not be facing off against the team that just won the national championship, right? A lot of turnover in terms of the coaching staff, a lot of turnover on the roster in terms of talent. And when you look at it, it's somewhat the opposite for Texas, right? Especially on the coaching staff, they're bringing in a lot of continuity, right? The majority of the staff is in year three or year four under Steve Sarkeesian. And you've only had to replace your defensive line coach and linebacker coach this past cycle, where if you look at it at Michigan, they will be in game two of the Sharon Moore regime. Right. They're replacing their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, who I think is one of the best head coaches at any level of football right now. Right. College, NFL, XFL, CFL, wherever. <laughs> I think Jim Harbaugh is the creme de la creme. They're replacing their defensive coordinator, which is huge because Michigan had the best defense in the country. And we saw it show up at the highest level in the national championship game against one of the best offenses in the country in Washington. And they will have a new offensive coordinator. Right. So even if Sharon Moore continues to call plays, that's good continuity there. But you still have another big voice in the building offensively that wasn't there or at least wasn't in that role last season. So, you know, in terms of continuity on the coaching staff, it's not even close in terms of the advantage for Texas over Michigan. And when you look at the roster itself, Texas brings back a third year quarterback, but not just a third year quarterback, but the co-favorite to win the Heisman going into the season in Quinn Ewers, where Michigan lost J.J. McCarthy. Texas brings back four offensive line starters where Michigan brings back zero. Right. I think those are two huge advantages for the Texas Longhorns. Michigan lost over half their starters and a ton of experience from a championship team without reloading the roster at a high level. Right. You could say Texas is losing 10 NFL caliber players, but they also have a top five high school class and top five transfer class. 
to help supplement the roster and bring in or reload the talent that they're losing to the NFL draft. So I think if you look at this game in week two, right, this is not me saying that Texas will win this game. I still haven't picked it. This is not me saying that Michigan has no chance, right? But I have deemed this as a must-win game for the Longhorns if we are at the level that we think we are, right? If we think we're one of the best teams in college football, then we should be able to go into Michigan in week two and beat them with all of the turnover they're dealing with compared to all the continuity we're bringing in on our side, right? We're the most talented team on the field in week two. We'll have the most stability on the staff in week two, and we'll have a strong culture in place compared to a culture that may be strong or not, but it'll be in week two under Sharon Moore, right? And that's a huge test for a new regime in their second game against the Texas Longhorns, right? So it's going to be a tough game no matter what, but I think Texas has a few advantages over the Michigan Wolverines that should lead to them picking up a victory in one of the biggest games of the season. September 14th versus UTSA, you're back at home in DKR, and it really shouldn't matter who's on the roster against UTSA. That's a game that Texas should never lose and really should never be close, but this is not the same UTSA team that you played in 2022 that led to them being up 17-7 to in week three before you ultimately turn things around and beat them 41 to 20. And, you know, one of the best things I heard that year, that was the week after we lost by one point to Alabama was don't let Alabama beat you twice. Right. And maybe after, you know, a tough emotional matchup against Alabama, Texas came out flat against UTSA and got down by 10 points, 17 to seven before once again, turning it around and, you know, beating them 41 to 20. But one of the biggest reasons UTSA was even able to get a 10 point lead against the Texas Longhorns was they had some really good players on that roster, right? Frank Harris, who was ended up being like a six year quarterback. He's now gone due to eligibility. They had three NFL level receivers. Zachary Franklin is now at Ole Miss and Joshua Cephas and DeCorian Clark have both entered the NFL draft. And Trey Moore, who was their best defensive player, right? In his true freshman season has transferred to the University of Texas, right? So the best players that UTSA had two years ago, which made them a formidable opponent, even to Texas at that point, are no longer on the roster. Texas has more talent. The game is at home. It should not be close, right? September 21st versus ULM. It just feels like all your early games are just, you know, cakewalks outside of Michigan, right? ULM had not had a winning season since 2012 and they only have won this entire century just two different levels of football programs but ULM virtually having no shot that's September 21st September 28th finally we get into some recognizable games right some games we care about Mississippi State will be incorporating a new head coach and Jeff Levy with a brand new staff right that's on September 28th against Mississippi State they downgraded at quarterback from Will Rogers I think Will Rogers one of the most uh underrated players in college football right especially at the quarterback position going to Blake Shapin who I think is decent right but still a downgrade from Will Rogers and Texas has had success and gone against Blake Shapin in the past right Texas will be at home with a significant talent advantage against Mississippi State in their first year under Jeff Levy and this will be the first official SEC game for Texas which should fire them up even more first SEC game back at home in DKR well I guess you play against ULM the week before but either way first SEC game like I say Texas will be fired up for that matchup then you have Red River against Oklahoma. I don't think we have to worry about, you know, their motivation or how fired up they'll be for that matchup, right? They do have the revenge factor coming off a loss to Oklahoma last year, but this is one of the biggest rivalries in sports, right? So even Oklahoma coming off a win still wants to beat you just as bad as Texas wants to avenge their loss. So Texas has the revenge factor, but I'm not sure how much it means in a game 
of this magnitude. But you're coming off of a home game against Mississippi State and a bye. So over that two weeks between the Mississippi State and Oklahoma game, you'll have plenty of rest and minimal travel between both of those games. Uh, haven't looked at Oklahoma's schedule. I'm sure they'll have a bye as well before Texas, but that's still an advantage, right? Having a bunch of rest and little – really no travel outside of a three hour bus ride uh, between Mississippi state and Oklahoma over the course of two weeks. Quinn Ewers will be making his 28th start compared to seven starts for Jackson Arnold, assuming both of them are healthy at that point, I'm a knock on wood. So if Quinn Ewers has four times the experience than Jackson Arnold has, I think that's advantage Texas. Texas is returning their best offensive lineman while Oklahoma is replacing theirs. And I think one of the biggest reasons Oklahoma won last year was they were able to win the matchup in the trenches. I think Texas gets that this time around in 2024. Texas has the more talented roster overall, especially at the skill positions to me, even though both teams are really talented. I think Texas has that advantage there and Oklahoma has a new offensive coordinator while Texas has a ton of continuity because they've had the same offensive coordinator since 2021. So, you know, this is a game where you just toss everything up, you go out and play football for 60 minutes and the best team on that day wins. But Texas does have a few advantages going into the 2024 version of Red River. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we get into the Georgia game and the back half of the schedule. What advantages does Texas have on the latter part of their schedule in the 2024 season? Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or a three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, Join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so now we're getting into the Georgia game, which would be the seventh game on the schedule for the Texas Longhorns, October 19th at home. And I think definitely, you know, this is the toughest game on your schedule going into next season. And I would say, even though that Georgia didn't make the college football playoff this past year, I still think they're the premier program in college football, right? Now that Nick Saban is retired, I think you have to put Kirby Smart as the uh, best coach in college football at the moment. And, and I think that, you know, if you would have put Georgia in this field of four teams, not sure who you would have taken out. So I guess if you just compare Georgia to the four teams that did make it, I think Georgia would have had a really good chance of winning their third straight national championship. But of course they didn't even get to defend it because they lost in the sec championship game. Not saying that they got snubbed out of the college football playoff or anything. I just think if they did make it, they probably would be sitting on their third straight national championship right now. And I think even though, you know, Michigan is the defending national champions, for my money, I would think Georgia is still the best team in college football going into next season. But 
Texas still has some advantages in this game, right? The game is going to be at home for the Texas Longhorns and DKR where we could fit 105,000 strong, right? And that home field advantage has been really good for Texas, right? We have not lost in DKR since the 2022 season, I believe since we lost to TCU, right? When they had Max Duggan and were undefeated, right? So that was a long time ago. Feels like forever ago, but that was the last time Texas lost a home game in DKR, right? So, you know, hopefully that that home field advantage can uh, show up and show out in a big way against Georgia that day, right? I think in the quarterback advantage, right, even though Carson Beck is really good and right now Quinn Ewers and Carson Beck are the two co-favorites, you know, heading into the season to win the Heisman, I think Quinn Ewers is a little bit better. And if it comes back to, if it comes down to who's the better quarterback in this game, I think Quinn Ewers should have that advantage. And Sark's offense did a really good job of moving the ball on Alabama the last two seasons. And you would expect to see a lot of the same schemes that week against Georgia under Kirby Smart, who is a direct protege of Nick Saban, right? So I think that, you know, it's going to be a very tough game. I'm not saying Texas is going to win by any means, but I do think they have a few advantages. Quinn Ewers at the quarterback position. Sark's offense has done a really good job um, against these defenses that, you know, rush with four and play a lot of man coverage on the back end with very talented players. And the game is at home where Texas has not lost since the 2022 season. October 26th at Vanderbilt. Just keep it simple. Right? This is an SEC game, but, you know, we could treat it like Colorado State, ULM or, you know, whatever. Right. Vanderbilt is just not a football school. Right. This was baseball. It'd be a very good matchup. If it was basketball, it'd be an interesting matchup. But in football, not so much. Right. Even in Nashville. Right. The biggest concern for us is not having too much fun in Nashville before we play the game. Right. Vanderbilt has two SEC wins since 2020. Texas will likely have two SEC wins by the time they play Vanderbilt this season, right? So two completely different levels of football programs. And Texas is past the level as a program where they should even have a competitive game with Vanderbilt, right? Maybe in the 2022 season where we went eight and five, Vanderbilt could sneak up on us and lose to us by 14. Um, or we saw in the 2022 season, they beat, you know, Florida and, and somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but nonetheless, right? Texas should not play with their food. This game against Vanderbilt shouldn't even be close. November 9th against Florida, you're coming off your second bye week of the season in a game against Vanderbilt where starters should be able to get some rest. So, you know, that's two weeks of good rest before you play Florida. Uh, the game is at home for Texas, where, like I said, they haven't lost since the 2022 season. So that should be advantage Texas there, where DKR can fit 105,000 strong. Uh, Billy Napier is on the hot seat, and Florida has just not looked good offensively or defensively in the two seasons he has had the job, right? Uh, they really haven't had any side of the ball to hang their hat on. I think this is a huge year with a ton of pressure on Billy Napier and this program. And Pressure can either build build diamonds or, you know, burst pipes. But based on what we've seen from this Florida program uh, over the last two years, I think things are going to get worse before they get better, right? And Florida's best option at quarterback may be a true freshman in DJ Lagway, right? So I think that Texas will have a huge advantage at the quarterback position, regardless of who Florida trots out there um, on November 9th against the Texas Longhorns. So, uh, you know, obviously it's a Florida, obviously it's an SEC team with the SEC roster um, that, you know, should be a tough matchup. I wouldn't say it should be a tough matchup, right? It's a it's an SEC team with the SEC roster, right? So it's obviously a game you can't just go into and say, you know, we're going to win easily or Texas can't go into a game and not play Texas Longhorns football and just expect to win, right? But this is also a game where I don't think Texas should be on upset alert if they're at the level that we think Texas is at. November 16th at Arkansas, this is a huge rivalry game. I know it's, you know, more so for the older Texas fans, right? Because the younger Texas fans like me, I'm 30, haven't experienced too much of the Arkansas rivalry, even though, you know, that was a big game, a nasty game in 2021 where Texas kind of got embarrassed. 
Um, but you can kind of throw everything out the window, right? Obviously, we know Texas will be the more talented and probably better team with more to play for going into Arkansas on November 16th. But Arkansas hates Texas. They hate Texas. And it's on the road, right? And they're going to go into that game doing everything in their power to win and upset Texas, right? To make their fan base, the boosters, and everybody associated with the program really, really happy, right? So although Texas will be the better team going into that game, you can throw that all out the window when the ball gets kicked off, right? Arkansas is coming off of seven and six and four and eight seasons where they haven't done much to improve the roster. They've probably lost better players than they brought in. And even though most of the players are gone, Texas will be motivated after what happened at Arkansas in 2021, right? And Texas also, I believe at this point, will be fighting for an SEC championship berth in a playoff positioning at this point in the season. So they'll have a lot more to play for than Arkansas. Like I said, that probably still won't matter. Arkansas is going to come out and play their asses off. But Texas will be the better team with more to play for. And as long as they go out and play Texas Longhorns football, they should get out of there with the win even though it'll be a crazy environment. November 23rd versus Kentucky, you're back in DKR once again, where you do not lose, but it's also on senior night, right? And the last senior night we had, we beat Texas Tech by 50. Never underestimate, right, seniors playing in their last game at home and a team knowing that that group, that particular group, is playing their last home game together, right? I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and smack Kentucky by 30, right? Just because it's a lot of really good players on this football team, especially Quinn Ewers, right, that will know it's their last home game at DKR. Kentucky is well coached, but they don't beat the top tier of SEC teams. And I think Texas is in that top tier of SEC teams, right? Kentucky is going to beat a Tennessee. They're going to beat a South Carolina, a Texas A&M, a Vanderbilt, or an Arkansas. But they're not beating Georgia. They're not beating Alabama. And they're not going to beat Texas on November 23rd in DKR. And then the last game of the season, the regular season, probably the biggest one of all, right? Not going to be the toughest matchup on your schedule by any means, but if you lose to Texas A&M, it instantly became the biggest game on your schedule. Right? So uh, November 30th at Texas A&M, another game where you could throw everything out the window. I think Texas will be playing for everything at that point. I think Texas A&M will, playing, will be playing for nothing at that point besides possibly being bowl eligible, right? I think Texas obviously will you know, have the better team at that point. I think Texas is obviously the better program at this point. But once again, you can throw all of that out the window, right? Because even if Texas A&M comes into this game at Oh, and 11. They are going to give 120% effort into making sure that they try to beat the Texas Longhorns. And like I said, whereas if you lose to Texas AM, it becomes the biggest game on your schedule. If you win, it just becomes another game, right? This is the biggest game on Texas AM schedule, no matter what, right? So it's going to be a dogfight, no matter what, right? Texas AM is bringing in a new coach and coaching staff with a ton of roster turnover advantage, Texas, in terms of the continuity on the roster and the coaching staff. And although on the road in a crazy environment, we know Kyle Field is one of the craziest environments in college football, 100,000 strong. There still should be a good amount of burnt orange in the building, right? There's still going to be 20, 30,000 plus Texas fans in there, right? So even though it'll be a raucous environment, you're still going to get a lot of love from the crowd, right? So that is all 12 matchups on the Texas Longhorn schedule in 2024. And the advantages, I believe, Texas has over each one of their opponents going into the SEC next year. A quick word from our sponsors and the state of the basketball program. It's been a roller coaster, but things are up right now after another top 25 win this past Saturday. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. 
LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. So LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier for you. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Remember, terms and conditions do apply. All right, we're going to get out of here talking about the Texas basketball team. As I mentioned earlier, they're on a roller coaster, um, which is normal, right, in this Big 12 schedule. I think the Big 12 has more parity than they've ever had, especially when you've added uh, teams like UCF, who have provided some big upsets to Texas and Kansas. Uh, You know, BYU, who's been really good and was ranked when we played them, knocked us off um, at home. They were at home. Um, Cincinnati, right, has played like a really good team. And then obviously, you know, the University of Houston is one of the best uh, basketball teams in college basketball. So the Big 12 is tougher than it's ever been. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of ebbs and flows in terms of the performance of this Texas basketball team. All right. They've had five straight games against top 25 opponents. They are now three and two in those games. Four and one sounds a lot better than three and two. So I, you know, I definitely wish they would have been able to find a way to, you know, squeeze out a really tough game against Houston, right? Because then you're looking at four and one. Um, in your last five games against ranked opponents, you could say, okay, you're probably going to slip up in one of them anyway. And that explains the BYU game on the road. Three and two, barely above 500, right? You know, it's better than being two and three, but, you know, I think they could have done a little bit better uh, over this five-game stretch. And picking up a win against Houston probably would have gone a long way in terms of, you know, Texas fans feeling a lot better about the basketball team over the last couple of weeks. But, they were able to beat TCU 77 to 66 on the road. TCU was ranked as the 25th overall team on Saturday. So that's another quad win for uh, quad one win for the Texas basketball team. And, you know, gives them another push in terms of making the NCAA tournament. I'm not as worried as most people are about Texas making the tournament. They play in the big 12, right? So the, the wins are weighed very heavily and the losses don't mean as much as they would in another conference. So, I don't think Texas is in too much danger of winning. I mean, making the NCAA tournament at this point, but they're also not a lock, right? So they have to continue to play really good basketball over the next six or seven games to end the regular season. They beat TCU 77 to 66 on the road. And what I loved about that performance was a great bounce back win from a heartbreaking loss to Houston, right? You know, the players are seeing the same things that we're seeing. They're seeing they're on the the bubble of the NCAA tournament. Maybe they felt like after losing to Houston that they were on the outside looking in, right? And, you know, that's a loss that could have, you know, broken them, right? And they could have, you know, played demoralized for the rest of the season. But I thought they came out, started slow in this game, but had a lot of energy even on the road and, you know, got a very tough victory, a quad one victory against a ranked team on the road after a heartbreaking loss in overtime to the Houston Cougars. Max Aceman's took over down the stretch. And if you looked at the box score, you would say, oh, okay, he scored 21. That's really good. That's what you would expect from Max Aceman's. But I think he, the way he scored the 21 makes it that much more valuable for this team, right? 
scoring the last 13 points for Texas, right? A lot of clutch buckets at the end, step back threes, fall away threes, right? Tough buckets uh, at the rim, right? To make sure that, you know, Texas uh, won that game and, you know, TCU didn't sneak away and, or, you know, make sure Texas pulled away down the stretch, I should say. So you look at the box score, you see he scored 21, but if you watch the game and watch how he scored the 21, it makes it that much more impressive. The insertion of Kendall Weaver by Rodney Terry in the starting lineup, it gives you an athletic dog uh, that can affect the game in every facet, right? Passing the ball, knocking down shots, rebounding, but more importantly, defending their best player, right? And I think that's huge for this Texas basketball team, especially with a lot of great guard play in the Big 12, that now you have Kendall Weaver from the outset of the game guarding and harassing their, their best offensive player at the guard position. Dylan Mitchell has been a lot more aggressive since BYU decided not to guard him, right? <laughs> like he's taking that personally and his 13 points and 11 rebounds were huge for Texas. I've said all along, either Dylan Mitchell, um, you know, Tyrese Hunter or somebody I'm not naming have to be the third cog in the wheel every night next to Max A. Smith and Dylan DeSue. We know they're going to show up offensively, but either Dylan Mitchell or Tyrese Hunter need to come along for the ride as well for Texas to perform like one of the best teams in college basketball and at their full potential. Brock Cunningham starting to make shots. At this point, Brock Cunningham's role is to rebound, defend, and knock down open threes, right? Nothing more, but nothing less. He needs to defend, rebound, and knock down open threes. His last two games, three for four from the three-point line. That's a huge boost for this Texas basketball team. And then Caden Shedrick does such a good job in his minutes giving Dylan DeSue a rest. Obviously, he's one of the best defensive centers in the country. So when you bring him in off the bench, you get really good rim protection. But I think he does a really good job of giving us offense while Dylan DeSue was on the bench as well. Because when we lose Dylan DeSue, we lose a huge part of our scoring, right? So Caden Shedrick does a really good job of coming in, posting up, and you know getting us some easy baskets around the rim. While also, like I said, providing All-American level defense while Dylan DeSue is on the bench. So you have two home games against Iowa State and West Virginia this week. I think especially being in the Moody Center, Texas has to win both of these games because after that you face against you face off against Kansas, U of H again, Kansas State again or Kansas State. I don't know if you played them already. And then Texas Tech again. So your last four games are really tough. So you have to win two games this week against Iowa State, even though they're a top 15 team. And then West Virginia, you have to hold down the fort and win in the Moody Center to make sure you make it back to the NCAA tournament and give yourselves a chance to make a run like you did last year to the Elite Eight. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.